I want to give a quick shout out to some of our sponsors. FusionMuscle.com for all of your supplements. 25% off everything you need from creatine to multivitamins to pre-workout to protein. Whatever you want, your boy Six has you. Go to FusionMuscle.com and use promo code KOTL25. They will drop it off right at your house and you get a 25% discount. Not only that, but you're also putting some money away to your favorite podcast so we can update our audio and keep on improving each and every day, each and every episode that you're already listening to. So please give back and support. Also, if you've been noticing, we're dropping these posts from the Strength Guys. Uh, They're a world-class elite coaching service, and we're teaming up, collabing, And they'll be giving some free content to everybody on our Instagram page. And we'll roll out some more stuff as we go and get more and more into it. But on the Instagram page, every week, one of the top elite coaching services, IPF world champions, world record breakers, including Taylor Atwood, who was the IPF world championship best lifter, all part of this organization. And they're giving free tips. This is pro tips for everybody Every single week on our Instagram page. It's going to be under Positions of Power. With no less dupe, let's get into it. Six Pack Labadat. I got my man Kathy here, and um, we got a special one today, my friend. Uh, in terms of the world records, the bench press world record, and I mean the bench press world record. Everybody's like, well, there's a lot of bench press world records. No, well, not when you're talking about the biggest bench ever. There's, there's that one. Everybody knows King Kirill from Russia. He's, when he took it, he took it to a place, it was like 7.30, whatever, I forget the exact, from the kilo conversion. But he took it to a place where people, people are like... You just couldn't take it past. That's it. And Krill himself thought, man, I've outdone myself. I've outdone myself in the fact that now I have no rivals. And no, and so sporting-wise, when you have no rivals, it's real difficult. And um, you know, for me to come back and try to beat that will take an intense amount of work. But I'm just going against myself. I'm racing against myself. It's like if Usain Bolt was just racing and you were timing him, but he never had anyone beside him in the push-up. Yeah, it's hard if you have no one trying to push your edge you to take that record back. So let's say he one time got amped up on his own with no one pushing, no one beside him, had a killer time. And they're like, hey, do you want to next week try that again? Yeah, trying to repeat he it. He might be like, you know what, that was probably it, man. Let's see if anybody can, anybody can come in here and push that, then I'll come back. Well, guess what? Julius Maddox just took that record that nobody thought would fall. Not for a couple decades anyways. Not for another generation of lifters anyways. And um, you could count on one hand how many people thought Julius Maddox was going to take that record last time we had him on the podcast. And most of them had the last name Maddox. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's how few. And now look it. So now Kirill in Russia is like, I think I got to make a comeback. And everybody's getting excited. And tell people what that record was. Um, Julius Maddox says, let me pull up. Do you want to pull up the exact kilo conversion? It yeah. was 740, 
But that's the um, is seven forty in terms of pounds. Seven forty in pounds. But the exact, it's uh, I believe three, and he chipped it. It's the boss of bosses. Boss of bosses. Yeah, but it'll also be if I could grab your phone for a second. There, kind love. I also know I posted it. It's one thing when someone outbenches your deadlift. That just makes you feel lovely. <laughs> you got a world record deadlift. Someone That's else benches home. your world record deadlift. I mean, um, yeah, he's an absolute beast. He's a monster of a man, but he's literally a monster of a man. Like he's a massive dude. Um, my uh, king of say popping up, but it's seven forty, and then the kilo conversion. Sorry, our European friends, you put me on the spot there. I probably should have looked it up. I probably can't still. But um, yeah, and and he's the ultimate underdog. And um, I was just asking you previously what you had been doing uh, before you got here um, and on the weekend. And on the weekend, I had watched um, Tyson Fury. And uh, excuse me, pardon me if it sounds like I'm thinking while I'm doing this. I am because I'm pulling it up. Uh, Let me get this. Here we go. 739. Oh, it's still not giving the kilo conversion. Son of a turkey. Anyways, you keep telling your Tyson Fury story. <laughs> well, anyway, all right. So, um, yeah, Tyson Fury, man, he had it all. He was a world champion, undefeated, um, and he fought on the weekend. And it just kind of reminds me of uh, the Julius Maddox story because at one point, Tyson Fury was, um, I mean, he, he lost it all, and he was uh, in a rough spot. 335 kilograms. 335. I think it's 335.5. Point, point, yeah. Um, is what, what Julius Maddox bench pressed. 335.5 kilo, 739 point whatever pounds. That's a big bench. That is an absolutely monstrous bench. But, um, and everyone in, in like the boxing, everyone knows who listens. I love UFC, I love boxing. And a, a huge comeback by Tyson Fury turned his life around, battling depression. Um, substance abuse, the whole nine, and now he's come back and he speaks at these public events. Um, his one fight, he made like twenty million dollars, gave it all away to charity, giving it to like all these different institutions uh, that help people battling mental depression and um, and to have these mental disorders. And he got knocked down in the last round, and uh, it, I mean, he got dropped like the dude was shot in the head hit the ground, and it was by Deontay Wilder, who was a phenomenal knockout artist. And Tyson Fury popped up like The Undertaker. And there was little bunch of gifts online, and they played Tyson Fury popping up with The Undertaker music. Oh, to man. It. it was amazing. And I um, got up, and everyone in the interviews afterwards and, and uh, finished a fight. And it ended in a draw, but everyone's like, man, how'd you get up like that? It looked like you were shot in the head. And he's like, if you knew what I've been through, and you knew how many people were counting on me, um, I had to get up. Because it wasn't just for me, it was for everybody who's battling something. And that was what reminds me of uh, the Julius Maddox. When we have him on, like he's, he's, it's bigger what he's going for. It's not just for himself. It's not just for posting on you know, Instagram, getting some likes and whatnot, which is nothing wrong with that. But um, he's also like, he's going into communities, talking to people yeah. and trying to make, he's seriously trying to make a difference. Man, that line right there though, you hear so many professional athletes who are like, 
when I was when I was competing for my family or my city or my country or whatever, it just makes it so much more close to home. Like that's when they have their best performances. Yeah, well, when you tap into something and you really, really need it, like you tell yourself, like this is bigger than me. You'll always try harder if it's just if if it's bigger than you. Yeah. If it's just for you and that's the stakes, it's hard to amp yourself up. Yeah, like I think it was I believe it was Eddie Hall who said when he was doing his world record deadlift, he was thinking of pulling a car off his daughter. Yeah, that's a little much. <laughs> it is, but it, it got him a got him a world record. Well, so. Here's the thing: it, look, and there's mental play trying to picture pulling a car off somebody, and then there's like, I can't picture, I can't get myself there where I actually believe it, and I'm actually going to amp up. If you try to get bring yourself there and it's not working, like I'm just kidding myself. That's you know what true. I mean? Where yeah. you're like, this isn't going to happen. Right, right. My daughter's not here. She's not in danger. No. And this year, you're like, I'm trying to, oh my God, I, I'm going to save my mother and all my family. <laughs> and you're like, I'm not believing this shit. It's just weightlifting. It's hard to psych yourself up like oh, that. Oh, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, that's crazy. If you could do that. Yeah. Whereas Julius Maddox, he doesn't need the front and try to uh, picture nothing. He has hundreds of people. He, he goes and talks like a thousand people at a yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So it's... um. This is real life. This oh, is no games. Sure. This yeah, is like 100%. he he's he's been in prison and visits prisons talking to inmates and like he's like invited back instead of the warden residing over him, the warden invites him back, talk to these people. You know, it's crazy what he's doing with his life and, and the type of direction and, and when you have people who are in situations where they feel like it's hopeless, mm-hmm. like if you think like I am doing time and I'm not getting out for God knows how long and it's who gives a fuck? And when Julius Maddox walks in, who's larger than life, yeah. the guy is straight out of a fucking superhero movie. And he's like, he's like a, a real juggernaut, a real titan. And he could do what he does. And he's like, I was in a similar situation. And then he starts talking, telling about a story whenever you listen. And you'll walk away like, oh, man, the people who need it the most, who are like the most destitute need need help and nobody else is giving them no. Yeah, and it makes it so much better than just having a general, you know, motivational speaker just trying to amp you up. Then you have someone who actually like, hey, guys, can my, relate to you. My name is Six Pack Lapidat. I'm here to talk to you about that. Like, Get the fuck Be a out good of guy. Yeah. Get out of jail and That's turn right. your life around. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas, um, and a lot of these guys are in situations that, yeah, nobody's visiting them. No one's telling them anything positive. You know, you get patted on the back for all the negative things you do and, um, and boosted up by that. So it's a good thing in, uh, and I'm glad to have him on because we had him on years ago before he broke the world record and he had high ambitions. And I know, man, this, this dude, we were going to have him on regardless whether he broke it or not. But the fact that he broke it. You know, anybody coming out of Boss of Boss, like, we got to have our man Julius Maddox back And if on. you haven't seen the video, go watch how smooth it goes up. It's smooth until they get the racket <laughs> in, and then it gets scary. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the spotters were so happy for him. They were celebrating before they were racking. The <laughs> poor this, guy. Like, it, it'd be so hard not to celebrate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, listen. But you got to do your job and make sure he doesn't drop 700 pounds on his neck. Yeah, everybody, everybody's <laughs> happy for him. That's for sure. I think everybody in powerlifting celebrated when he hit that. He's a hard guy not to be rooting for. But uh, but anyways, but no further ado, let's get our man's Julius Maddox on. Let's start recording. So, how you been first off? So, I remember, okay. Let me take everybody back for a second, anyone listening. I remember it was, um, what year was it when I said you were the bencher of the year? The bench presser of the year. Maybe 2017. Was it 2017? Because I remember when I first started posting you, and I put you were the bench presser of the year, 
some, now at the time, some people like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's this guy, maybe it's that girl, whatever the shit. And um, I'm like, look at my man Julius has got the biggest bench in the world right now, and um, and and the type of weightage he's pushing, like he's chasing. I remember you're chasing 700 at the time, let alone the yeah. overall world record. And some people were like, oh, okay, based off of the way he's moving some of these weights in the sixes, 700 might be in the chamber, but I don't know about the all-time world record. Then you, <laughs> then you, you remember this? And then you took yeah. 700, and all of a sudden some people are like, all right, he took 700. I don't know. Maybe he'll take the American record, but I don't know if he's going to take the world record. And then here we are, my man. You know, yeah, a little too. I mean, I wasn't expecting it uh, this soon. But, um, you know, when you put in the work, the results are going to come. So yeah. that's just where I've been at over the past, you know, five years. But I'm pretty sure it was the end of two seven, 2017 going into 18 um, when, when, when that post came out. And, you know, people have been doubting me ever since I've started. So that's nothing new. It's, uh, I mean, it's, and, and if nobody, I mean, the steam you got and the momentum you got and, and the, and the, the speed you've been adding on those kilos onto your bench press, man. I mean, you took, you definitely have turned <laughs> doubters. If anyone's down before, nobody's doubting you now. It was a hell of a story yeah. when we dropped that podcast. As soon as people heard it, everybody became Julius Maddox fans. That's for sure. And started jumping definitely. on it. But um, have you noticed, like, the, the people's, the momentum behind you and people started believing and turning from doubters into, into backers the closer you came to this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always had people uh, pushing for me and then, you know, people that, that have doubted me over the past years. But now so uh, even even uh, more now, uh, simply because my goals are much higher. So I'm talking about an 800-pound bench, something that no nobody has ever, ever um, imagined a human would ever even go around or, or get to that point um, when it comes to a bench press, yeah. raw bench press. So uh, I'm just to a point, man. I'm just, man. I'm trying to, um, you know, set the bar high, literally. Yeah, eight hundred pound bench press is something. Eight hundred pound like squat sounds insane. It, look at it was. We're talking maybe 2013. The the squat world record with Ray Williams was eight hundred something, just a little over eight hundred pounds, just for a little bit of, you know, placement with history. And that's 2013. Yeah. This isn't ancient history, man. This isn't that long ago. It's 2019 yeah. now. We're talking 800-pound bench press. That's ridiculous. But look yeah, at Yeah, definitely. You're used to people thinking this is crazy. And look how quickly you've come. You know, turning, turning people yeah. onto your side. Are you thinking... I, I, I've, I've seen um, right after you hit this. First off, let's talk about... I was just showing... Me and Kathy, we were re-watching this... Uh, before you came on, how scary was that when the one spotter started celebrating a little too quick? You got the rack command, so everybody knows when um, in powerlifting, the press, the, the whole thing doesn't start until you get the start command, and then you get the rack command. It's over. Start command means it starts. Before that, you jostle, do whatever the hell you want. Rack command yeah. means it's over, and um, the the guy lifting off and the spotters can help you get off the rack. And then you get the start command, and they help you get on the rack after you get the rack command. And for smaller human beings moving a lot less weight, even then, um, I mean, it means a big difference to have a rack re-rack. 
But I can only imagine when it's 750 pounds, you want the weight and to take the load over your chest, right? Where your shoulders are set and you want the load to be brought off. And uh, God bless, there's a huge moment. But you're the one guy on the side spotting started celebrating after you got the rack command because he knew what that meant. He knew that yeah. you did it. It's like, my man, you, you still got a better job to do. Like, what happened? <laughs> no, there? man. I, and, and again, I don't blame him, man, for being just as excited uh, as me. And like, I love, I love lifting weights. I love the sport. So I'm not that guy that's going to sit here and, and cause a big ruckus because. Uh, somebody was celebrating with me, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just not that type of guy. And I was just, you know, like I told him after the meet, he came up to me and was like, look, man, I'm really sorry for doing that. And I'm like, man, don't sweat it. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Even if I wouldn't have got that lift, what people don't understand, this is much bigger than powerlifting for me. And I've said this in the beginning, it's much bigger, man. And the biggest, the, the biggest thing about that is, is that I'm, I'm trying to set a new trend, new examples, that we don't have to be egotistical jerks, you know, because a lot of people in the powerlifting community, you know, they get some fame and their, their heads come off. You know, they're 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 better than everybody, and and um, they act like their their crap don't stink. And I'm just I'm not like that, man. I love everybody, and I'm for everybody. So me knowing that whatever's gonna go wrong is gonna go wrong. People make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yes, he made a mistake, but I'm okay with that. I make mistakes every day. And I think that's why, you know, I'm, I'm going to get to 800 pounds because I don't see life in in, the, in that aspect. I just see it totally different. And um, at the end of the day, this is fun for me, you know, so I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep getting stronger, you know, so in, I don't know. In that moment, when that weight came down that side, were you a little, did, did the anxiety hit me? Like, oh, shit, that's 750 uh, down. Or were man, you like, no, not really, man. I'm telling you, man, I go with the flow, bro. I'm not. <laughs> you got, I'm so you got, laid back. You got nervous uh, people, <laughs> people don't understand. Like, I've been shot at, uh, like, like literally been shot at with, with guns. Like, yeah. stuff like, and I know it sounds crazy, far-fetched, but like, it didn't really, I didn't trip at all, man. Seriously, I, I didn't. You know, I've been in some situations where, like, my life has literally been threatened. And, um, you know, no way can I even compare that, lifting that weight to some of the life situations that I've been in. So I wasn't bothered, I promise you. You can ask anybody at that meet. You can ask Dan, Sparkle, whoever. They'll tell you. I didn't even say a word about it. You know, I just... But I go with the flow, man. I'm all right. That's a class act. For anyone listening who hasn't heard the first podcast, which we got a shitload of DMs and positive response from, um, so anyone who hasn't heard it should take a listen to it. But in terms of your background, uh, you know, so can you tell some people how you came up? Because you just dropped right there, like I've been shot at. Um, I mean, you, I mean, you, you know, had a crazy life. The, so the, the, put it this way: like I, I was raised in the projects. Um, did I have, uh, did I have to go out and do some of the stuff that, that I did? No, I didn't. Um, just being young and dumb, mostly, um, again, you know, we, we were poor. Um, my parents, my mom, she worked for a living and to provide for me and my brother uh, or the whole family. Well, my dad just suffered from, um, you know, drug addiction and, you know, man, I just, since my mom worked all the time and my dad, you know, spent all his time doing what he did. I was pretty much raised by the streets, man. And we already know, you know, what the result of that is whenever you, you know, you're being raised by 
you know, where you're not, you don't have someone actually pouring into you, no structure, no uh, body leading you and teaching you how to, what a man is Mm -hmm. or a man was, um, you know, I went down the wrong path, the scary path, even though I didn't have to, I chose that because, um, you know, it gave me a, a sense of being a part of something because of the people that I ran around with. I always wanted to, um, I always wanted to be happy. Let's put it this way. My biggest fear was being alone. I never wanted to be alone. So whether that was friends or, or girlfriends or whatever, I just had these, uh, I guess we would call them not necessarily, uh, social issues, but codependency. Like I always needed something or somebody else to make me feel complete. Mm. So, you know, I found that in, you know, trying to be the center of attention, running around with people all the time. And uh, which later on led to me selling drugs and, you know, thinking that that's the only way that I'm ever going to be um, have some sort of power or, you know, or just be in the in crowd. You know, everybody like as humans, we were created to, to long to have relations, have relationship. You know, what I mean, everybody wants companionship, you know, so um, whether anybody one wants to admit it or not, you know, that's what it is. But. That's that's always what I desired, and I found that in the street life and running around with people I shouldn't have been running around with and doing things that I, I shouldn't have been doing. So, which led me to a point uh, to where, you know, I was faced with ultimatum. I could have went to prison or a recovery program, and I chose to go to the recovery program, and little did I know, my life, my life changed. You know, I went to a Christ Center recovery program, and um, I'm a very uh, spiritual person. I'm, big, I'm huge on faith, um, and I don't I don't hide that from anybody. That's that's how I got to to where I am today, and and, and become the man that I am today. And you know, I'm, I'm grateful for every step uh, in the process. In terms of like when you got shot at, which is insane. Most of us will never. I mean, I mean, the, almost everybody's not going to experience something like that. Like, was it because it, it was the life that you were living um, in terms of selling drugs, or was it like? I mean, like, yeah, so, like, at, at, a, at a point, whenever you don't have something or you don't have the means to get it, you'll do whatever you got to do to get it. So you'll rob somebody, mm-hmm. um, you'll do, you'll steal, you'll do whatever you got to do in order to get what you want. And there's been many situations where we've been in fights and they ended up in, you know, shootouts. And, and, and I'm, don't, don't ever get this twisted because I'm not trying to make it up like I'm some gangster dude, like I should be on, like, American Gangster or something. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But some of the situations that I put myself in resulted in those things. And, um, you know, like I wasn't at the end of the day, I wasn't built for that lifestyle. I'm not I'm OK to tell you, like, I'm not built to go to prison for 20 years. That's not me. But because in order for me to carry on and, and, and carry on this this um, image or, 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 or however you want to put, put it, persona that I was a, a a tough guy, I had to do that. Those are the things that I had to do. Um and, you know, that's that was just identity issues, man, like just not really knowing who I was as a person uh, simply because I always worried about what everybody else was doing and, and, and instead of really find out who I was myself. And when I finally went to rehab um, is where I really found out who I really was. You know, I, I mean, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying like I was a chump or anything. I'm just saying, like, no one wakes up and wants to be a drug addict. And no one wakes up and says, hey, I want to spend the rest of my life in prison. Yeah. No, no. You know, I'm just I'm just being honest, to, you know, to say that, you know, yeah. so 
Look, um, look I, 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 anyone who's watched like documentaries about guys who have done or, or are currently doing um, life in prison, they'll tell you straight up. I, there's there are dudes. If you listen to rap songs and they talk about like Fat Cat and Pappy Mason, Supreme, no. um, those guys. You, if you ever research and read some interviews with those guys who are now in jail, they hear themselves being glamorized in rap lyrics, and they'll drop their names like gangster names. Rappers dropping their names, and he's like, the, the interviewer's like, what do you hear when you hear that kind of shit, your name getting dropped in these rap songs? And he's like, are you kidding me? These guys who drop my name don't even know what the shit. If I could redo it all, never in life would I take the same path. Yeah. There's nothing glamorous about the way I'm living right now. He said, they're talking about a lifestyle I haven't had in two decades. He goes, I'm in my 50s now, and I'm going to die alone in a cell. Like, there's nothing, Man, that's there's crazy. nothing That's crazy. There's nothing hard or glamorous about it. You know, you don't want it. It's not even yeah. something that, not even something to romanticize. And that's like, it's, that's the straight truth. When you've been in behind bars in a way for decades, it's like, pff, don't yeah. even, don't go that route. Was there a defining And that's kind of where I'm at today. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Was there a defining catalyst that made you realize you had to go to rehab or was it just kind of you wanted to change it, change at that point? No, I mean, like, I was faced with that decision. Like, so what happened was, over the past 10 years, I was, uh, my thing was marijuana. Like I was getting weed shit back from California, from California to Kentucky. And I did it for a while. And eventually it caught up with me, you know? And, um, this time there was no, cause I had gotten, I had gotten into some trouble before for the same thing. And then this time there was no getting out of jail, but Kentucky, since, since I beat, I didn't really beat the other case, but they admitted my charges down. Um, this case, I caught another felony, another three felonies. So this case, um, I wasn't allowed to, like, there's no bonding out. Like, we have, we have a lawyer that, that's on standby. And, you know, anytime we could call him and he would get us out, anytime. Within a couple of days, you know. But this time there was no getting out. I couldn't bond out. Um, and this was the first time, like, I was away from my daughter. And she was just turning one at the time. And, like, mm-hmm. the circumstances were just right to where... I finally seen that that's not the lifestyle I wanted. Being in and out of jail, heading to prison. Like I'm just saying, I love my freedom. I love snacks, and I don't, you know, I don't. At the end of the day, I don't want my freedom taken away from me. Yeah. And I realized that. But in that process is when, you know, I call it. I've had my like, like my God experience where I, I, I had an encounter. And I know a lot of people talk about like jailhouse religion and all this stuff, but like. You guys don't know the guy that I was, and there's no way that I could, you know, validate um, besides looking up my old arrest records. But like, I was a monster. Like, I was willing to do whatever it took in order for people to think that I was the baddest dude to walk the streets. And you know that that that's scary because I didn't realize. Like, you talk about those guys in prison; they didn't realize what they were doing until they they're locked up yeah. and it was over. It's too late. And I didn't realize it. Yeah, until it, you know. But I had a wake up call and it was it was um, it was October 25th, 2012, which was my daughter's first birthday. It was a Saturday morning. They came to visit me at the jail um, and we're sitting behind this like three inch glass. And I'm, I'm just we're just talking back and forth. And, you know, my daughter is sitting up on like you're in like this um, this visitation room. And there's like, I'm sure you've seen it on the movies like Johnny Depp. It looks just like that, like the movie Blow. Yeah. Or at the end of the movie where Johnny Depp's sitting at the, um, talking to his daughter. 
He's is I think that's what he's he's talking to somebody anyway. Um, and I'm sitting at this this metal box, kind of like the kind of privacy. It's like a privacy box, and my daughter has my, my 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 wife has my daughter standing up like on the on the desk area right there, and my daughter's like like really starting to like take steps and walk and things like that. And she turns around and looks at me and she's like, Dada, and tries to like touch me through the glass. And that was probably one of the most emotional um, experiences I've ever went went through. Like, again, like I was always taught to be like tough. Like my dad always taught us to like never show emotion, be tough. Men don't cry. And that's how I kind of like I carried myself like like the world owed me something. And I just remember like her trying to like touch me through this glass, like, Mm. like, you know, and it, and it, like, I got, like, I was just reading her mind and it did something to me, man. Like it just, it struck me to the core to the point to where like, I was so emotional. Like I was weeping like a baby, you know? And it just felt like that was the first time. Like I really felt the weight of my actions over the past, you know, years of me just living life and doing anything I wanted and to the point of ODing on drugs and and selling drugs to pregnant women. Just I was a monster, man. And I'm I mean, I don't have to go into all that, but you know, I just remember going back to my cell and I mean I'm weeping like a, I'm crying like a baby. And um I go back to this uh to this jail cell and in front of you know, there's like I said, there's like 40 guys in this big dormitory cell. And, you know, like I hit my knees and I cried out to God and I was like, God, if you're real, if you're, this is my exact words. I said, God, if you're real, you'll show me you're real. You'll give me purpose. Uh, because at that point I didn't want to live anymore. Like seriously. And it wasn't like I was facing like a crazy amount of time, like five to 10 years is all I was facing. But just the, the, the point of just being so drained, um, just tired of burning bridges and, and putting my family in that situation. And, um, you know, like I had big dreams at one point in time, mm-hmm. like I'm sitting, I'm sitting here right now. I'm a character coach for a football team here. The same football team that I walked off the field and quit, uh, 12 years ago. Like I get a second shot, get, get a second shot shot at being the character coach. Mm-hmm. And like, I've always had big dreams and I always wanted to do things with my life. And the desire was there, but the willingness to overcome the obstacles and, and, and the adversity that I was going to face, I always ran. That's all I did. That's all I knew was when things got tough, you run. When relationships get tough, you leave. You know, so that's 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 all I knew. And I just finally got to a point to where the pain of the pain of um, of the pain of staying the same. Or the pain of uh, the pain of changing. No, I got it all mixed up. The pain of staying the same became greater than the pain of change. Mm. So, like, it was more easier for me to change than it was for me to continue living in that painful life and that painful situation um, just because of all the stuff I did. Like, I broke so many relationships. I've robbed so many people. Um, and just the, the 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 image that I had um, of always going to jail, um, a drug addict, you know, people don't want you around. Um, and then, you know, once you don't have the drugs anymore or you're not the plug anymore, nobody wants to fool with you. So it's just like, I was just exhausted, man. I was mentally, physically, spiritually exhausted. And I cried out to God and I can't, and this is why like people are like, so why do you believe in this? 
and I know we're we're, we're going a whole other direction with this, but all right. this is a big part of who I am today, man. Yeah, that's like, all right. Let's go. I there. can't give credit to anybody else, you know. So that's kind of where where we're at, man. It's just and, and and things. I kid you not. Within two weeks, things started shifting. Like I literally seen things moving in my favor, like right in front of my eyes. And in fact, I remember one time going to court because I, I got revoked on I got revoked on previous charges that I had previous felony charges. So that means like you don't you don't get to get out. Yeah. Well, when this treat, when this treatment facility came to me um, and interviewed me he, and I was like, you know, I don't think I'm getting out. He was like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of that. And I was out like within another week. I was out before Christmas. Holy smokes. And yeah, he got me out and I never went back to jail. Now I have clearance security to go to the jail and put, and actually they allow me to go back into the inner part of the jail and visit inmates and talk to inmates. So like, it's just the underdog story. It's a re- you know, like this is, and that's what people just see. Like I just lift weights, but man, it's deeper than that, man. Like it's way deeper than that. Like people have no idea um, what I had to do to get to where I'm at today. Like they have no idea. Yeah. If, if you know, you, so they, if you make money, you're, you're wealthy. If you, if you make a difference, you're successful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what people think money makes you successful. Nah, man. That just makes you wealthy. That doesn't make you successful. The, you know? No, you're exactly right. The best, the best um, quote that I've heard or, or saying that I've heard is, uh, success is not defined by what you have or by what you got. It's by the things you've overcome when you've been through a lot. Yeah, well, yeah. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? When, yeah, yeah. That's that's that fire, man. Like for real. And just looking back to see everything that I've been through, and that I've made it out to the other side. Like, people have no idea the 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 stuff that I've experienced and and what I've had to overcome to get here. Like, to to a point to where like I'm finally getting into a season of where like I'll be training full time, and people don't even know that I've had I, I, I've had a full time job this whole five years. Um, that I've been training like multiple jobs. In 2017, I had three different jobs. I get up, go to work at six at about six a.m. and I wouldn't get off until ten a.m. I mean ten p.m. Yeah. So like, and sometimes eleven p.m. and then get back, go home, get my food together, and do it all over again the next day. Yeah. And you know that's just a part of it, not including family. You know, so um, I've been through over these over these past over this past five years. I've really uh, been through like literally hell and you know, now I'm on the other side of it and I'm getting into a position to where I'll be training full time. Um, I'll be doing a little bit of traveling. I'm getting into seminars, uh, gym appearances, and I'm getting to uh, be in a position to where like, I want to motivate. I want to motivate men, whoever I come across. I just want to inspire whoever I come across Mm -hmm. To, to reach their dreams and their full potential. And however I can help you get there, that's what I want to do, man. Because we don't we don't have that, man. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Like you said, uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, if you're in a bad situation, you look for like, even if it's, if it's for negative things, you look for people to say things about you that they, like if they look to you, even if, oh, you're a big guy, you can handle yourself, and they look to you for protection, they feel, they feel safer, they're around you, if they catch a beef, any kind of thing happen, or... If you're doing negative shit and they compliment you on it, sometimes if that's all you got, you're gonna keep doing negative. You're gonna, I'm gonna be the baddest. Yeah. If I'm gonna be a bad dude, I'll be the baddest dude you ever met. You, you'll be afraid to meet me, and dudes will be proud to be hanging out with me, and I'll have that reputation. As opposed to sometimes if that's the only thing you got, 
in your life right there. That's the only way people are going to talk to you. You, you, you move in that direction, whereas, and you don't see necessarily, where is the positive output? How can I give back in any kind of positive means? Why would someone talk positive about me when nobody ever has? You don't even see yourself that way until, you know, that moment with your daughter. A, that's a relationship. Yeah. That's a relationship you can't walk away from. That's a tie that binds. No, want it or not, that's it. So you finally met a relationship you couldn't walk away from. And then B, you knew that was that unconditional you don't have to do nothing bad and she's going to, you don't, she's already going to look up to you and you're going to be her world. Right. So then all of a oh, sudden yeah. it's that moment where you're like, Holy shit, this is different. This is, this, I got a moment right now and I can sort this out, you know, um, put one thing behind me and try to do something positive. But at that moment, even though you, you like literally drop to your knees looking for a sign, who would have thought that you would be one of the strongest humans to walk? Like it's, you, you just hit a 700, 50 pound bench, man, it's insane what you're doing. Like, how, how did you, um, like, would you ever in your wildest dreams would have thought it would have got to this? Yeah, so, I mean, like, again, and I'm, I'm sure we talked about it in the last uh, episode, but um, just, like, I battled, too, with a little bit of depression because, man, like, when I say, like, I was I was extreme when it comes to, like, prescription pills, like, I would pop five, ten Xanax at a time. Yes, like, Xanax bars, two milligram Xanax bars. And I'm ready to party. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like extreme. Oh, you take you take three. I'm gonna take five. Or you take six. I'm gonna take eight. I, I, that's just how I was, you know. And because of that, I really, uh, really dealt with depression a lot, especially the first like nine months that um, I was, you know, in this process of, you know, coming out of jail and then entering back into life where there's real stressful situations. Because when you're in jail. Think about it. Jail's a breeze. Mm. You don't got no responsibilities at all. You don't have to worry about no bills, no kids, uh, uh, no jobs, no none of that because you're in jail. Yeah. You so, know, you get fed. You get you get uh, three hots and a cot is what they call it. You know. Yeah. For some and, people, for some people, that's an upgrade. For some people, yeah. Some people like some people look. Put it this way: when whenever I first held my first full time job, it was like a year later. A guy hit me with this question. This question. One of them, I, every all these incidents where it had to deal with my daughter and my family and my character, I call them low blows, because we were on my we were on our way to this. I was working for a, a paint a painting contract, believe it or not. So we're painting these um, these you know thirty foot buildings, like just these tall buildings. Anyway, the job was stressful. It was at like an aluminum plant, and I find myself, um, you know, we're driving up to this plant early in the morning, and the guy looks at me and says, Julius, did you love your kids whenever you was out there ripping and running and living that lifestyle? And I was like, yeah, I love my kid. And he was like, no, really, did you did, did you did you really love your kids? And I'm, I'm sitting there answering. I'm like, yes, I love my kids, dude. Like, what, why are you keep asking me this question? And again, it's early. The sun's peeking up over the trees like I don't even want to be there. It's about to be yeah. hot. I'm. I'm already processing the day. Yeah. And he asked me again. He said, like, really, did you love your kids? Holy shit. And I said, dude, yes. I love, to the point to where I'm, I'm, I'm getting frustrated now. Yeah. And he said, well, if you loved your kids so much, why don't you just be a man and take care of your business? And it just hit me that at, at one point that I love drugs and that lifestyle over my own flesh and blood. Mm. And I just remember riding the the because it was like a forty minute drive to the plant. The rest of that that ride, 
it just played over and over and over again in my head. I obsess over stuff. And it just played out. And I and right then and there in that truck, I made that commitment that I'm never gonna I'm never gonna live that lifestyle again. And I've and so th- what I'm saying is, is through that process, when things got hard, I did totally opposite of what I would do be- before. Mm-hmm. So when things got hard and I ran before, now I'm sticking around. I'm fighting through these battles. I'm standing up. Hey, these obstacles that are in my way, I'm steamrolling through them. Ain't no, I'm building momentum. I'm I'm not stopping. Nothing's gonna slow me down. And I believe in that process, God honored that. And God seen the work that I was putting in and was like, I'm about to show you I'm up to something big and you don't even know it. And uh, believe it or not, man, like things like when I tell you I, I got strong, like it wasn't just like you're, you're think about it from 2013 to th- 2014 uh, when I started training with Josh Brent. So from May 2013 to May 2014, my bench went up 100 pounds. Damn. That's huge. 100 pounds. Yeah, that's a nice joke. <laughs> wow. So, like, and this is this is really, I mean, you know, they're beginner gains, but 100 pounds. And I'm, you know, 27 years old and really have never touched a weight like that to that, to that um, extent. And... Then it just it just kept growing, you know, over, and that was the process from 2014 to 2018. It took me four years to get to 705. And then, boom, here we go. Um, another year and a half, another year and a half later, I'm at 740. And look, look, I'm telling you guys, I got more in the tank. Yeah. People have no idea. Like when I say I'm coming back, like I'm coming back, I'm about to shock the world. That's, that's the whole that's what's so exciting about it. I got cold chills telling. It's like Eddie Hall and you got Corell. They're coming out of the woodwork. Yes, and dude. I respect those guys. These guys are great. They want but it though. They want a piece man, of that. Listen, I love it. I got a story to tell. I got a story to tell. And in order for me to tell that story, I got to do the work. So I'm grinding, man. Like yeah. I'm, I'm putting in the work. The, and uh, go ahead. It, it's crazy. Um, I love the guys like Corell and Eddie Hall. Are, are are being like, man, we gotta go, we gotta go with this guy. We got we we need we need a competition. We all gotta show up. Like, because the shine they have, everyone knows you got the a guy who runs world's strongest man. Kirill, God bless, has got such a huge mass of following. This is the type of, of exposure you deserve. I remember when we had you on the first time, after the podcast, I remember like, dude, I got chills talking to that man. And um I didn't know if you how far <laughs> you were gonna take it. You weren't at seven hundred yet, and I was like, I hope, like I hope. He hits this world record. It's a huge ask because you were still like in terms of bench press to add 60 pounds on a bench press is that's a huge ask when you're at top. Yeah. End, when you're at top end, like you weren't a, a newbie at this point. This is no newbie gains anymore to add that kind of weight onto your bench press top end. People die for five pounds. People die for 10 pounds. Um, and I was like, man, his story's so good. I hope, I hope he gets it. Because if he does, it's a beautiful thing. Like it's such an inspirational story. You're a charismatic dude, inspirational dude, positive guy. And now to have you back on after having broken the world record and having Kirill and Eddie Hall and these boys being like, man, we got to go head up with this guy at a competition. This is exactly where you deserve to be. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, man. And I think now it's to a point to where. Again, like I said, it's bigger than me. Like my whole city, the people like people are literally counting on me. People that are, are still the underdogs right now that are still out there in open addiction. 
Like I've heard it. I hear it all the time. I get messages all the time. You wouldn't believe the amount of messages that I get about depression and, and, and anxiety and, and, um, and just people that are going through drug addiction and, you know, either they came out of it in powerlifting or they're still in it and they're trying to find a, another outlet so that they can, you know, have, have a different life. And I, ultimately that's my calling, man. And mm-hmm. I want to, like I said, I want to inspire anybody I come across and let people know that that's, that doesn't have to be the answer, you know? And I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'm not one of these big people who are bashing people who, who use drugs or anything. Cause I was once that guy. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do is I want to help people understand that we all have a certain level of greatness built up inside of us. And until you fully let go of those things that are hindering you and stopping you from reaching that potential, you, you might die. There's, there's the most talented people are in graves right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's people that didn't pursue their dreams and their careers and, and they died with those dreams, you know, buried them, you know? So like, I just want to, I just want to help people tap into that inner them, you know, uh, like uh, Bruce Leroy, The Last Dragon, you know, uh, The Glow. Y'all yes. familiar with that movie? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, ever, like, <laughs> yeah. that, that, you know, that's how I look at it, though. I just get excited because I'm so excited about my new life, and I know that this could be for everybody. It's not just for me. I, I, I you know, think, so. I think it's important to, you break that stigma. When people think about, like, depression and anxiety, which go hand in hand. Depression and anxiety go hand in hand, and it's, you're afraid to talk about it. Like people who are in, in that moment because they think it makes them seem weak, feel weak. And the fact that a guy like you, who's literally a giant of a man, a walking, breathing giant, you know, you're like a superhero that came alive out of a comic book. Who's one of the strongest men in history. It totally shatters that stigma. And you, yeah. you were like, you were not just like physically strong, but you know, the scariest thing is doing public speaking. I could drop you in front of a thousand people and you'll hit every single one of them with the words you say. That's the type of gift to gab, you know, few athletes actually have. Some people are good at the sport, but they don't have like any of that. And it totally breaks that stigma. That's why it's important when a guy like you steps forward and says, man, I dealt with depression. I, I've been there, dealt with all this. Like it helps people feel like it kills that stigma. Like, man, it's got nothing to do with being weak. That doesn't make you weak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It gives other people courage. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It it gives other people courage when they hear this. No, I'm I'm grateful, man. And again, I just want to help whoever I come across, man. It's just, again, that's just who I am. I went from, you know, trying to rob people of their joy to like trying to figure out how I can give whoever I come across um, a taste of the joy that I have. And I know that may sound corny a little bit, but I mean, it's just how I feel about life now, you know, just in a position and just, you know, grateful that I can inspire other people. When you, when you hear about like Eddie Hall and Kirill, is it, do you think it's, is it going to be like a, a competition that's actually going to come forward where you can all be at the same venue? Cause that would be, yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're working on behind the scenes. That would be, amazing. we're trying to get it, but we're trying to get it to where it, it's, we're all well compensated to do this, okay. you know, cause we're all compromising and giving up, you know, a lot of our goals in order to, you know, get this showdown to go, you know, because there's other things that I want to do, but I can't do those things because everything has to be perfect timing. So, um, but yeah, like I'm planning on this, like this year, uh, and I know it sounds so far-fetched, but I believe that I'm going to be tipping around 800 in in the next eight months. Oh, man. Like, I just believe it. Like, here's the thing. I went from talking about, like, talking about, like, when people would ask me, 
They're like, man, do you think you're going to hit uh, 700 or 705? And I'd be like, uh, I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I got it in me right now or maybe I don't. Now I'm just like, man, I'm taking it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it in me. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Did like you, confidence behind it all. Did you ever feel to the point where you thought you could do something but didn't say it around smaller-minded people because you didn't think it'd be receptive and you didn't think it'd be taken right, but you believed before you said it or were you saying it before you believed it? Like Ali, when he said, I'm the greatest, and I said that before I even knew I could, I just kept saying it and dreamt it into reality. Yeah. I'm just, that's where we're at. We're in a season where we're doing that. And people say it all the time, they don't believe. Like I had a, I had a guy come to me at the meeting and was like, uh, before he was like, man, I just want to apologize to you. I'm like, why? He was like, well, on the way here, I was telling all my friends that you wouldn't get this lift. <laughs> and yes. now I'm I'm coming up to you. I'm like, dude, you got some balls, man. Like, <laughs> you, got some, you got some nerve. You got some <laughs> like, nerve. You know, you. So, yeah, but and that's that's another thing is just being confident. Like there there wasn't a doubt in my mind. Like I knew that it was it was over that that day at Boss of Bosses. Um, before I hit the platform, there was something about the whole the whole situation that that. So typically I got my headphones in. I'm trying to hype myself up. Man, I didn't have my headphones in. I'm just sitting on the bench waiting for the countdown. Oh, wow. And I was just, I was locked in. Was I was like ready to go. It was like a date for destiny. You know, I was yeah. ready to go. That countdown was like a date for destiny. And you do. See, I mean, here's the thing too. That pause was a for real pause. I've seen some of the bigger end bench, you know, you see some of them. And sometimes the pauses are there. Sometimes the pauses are a little quick. Man, that was, a, that was, they gave you a for real pause there, man. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a for real pause, um, and I think they wanted to make sure that, that we wouldn't be able to dispute it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, they wanted to make sure that everything was on, and which I salute everybody. They did. They put on an awesome meet. The judges were spot on. Um, you know, stuff happens, but there wasn't, there wasn't no stopping me. Like, man, man couldn't have intervened any way he wanted to, even if he could. With this, with this, uh, that with that day, yeah. Uh, and I know I, I hate to like keep referring back and get so spiritual. Like I'm just saying, like I knew, I knew, like I could feel it. I could feel the adrenaline pumping through my veins. Like, and I said it to myself. People probably thought I was like crazy because I was like whispering to myself, like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I'm ready now." <laughs> and I and I caught myself saying it. I'm like, "It's going down." And I'm sitting. I ain't got no headphones in. I'm just talking out loud. Hey, like people are walking by me, like looking at me, and I'm just like, all right, it's game time. And I get up and walk out there and handle business. Yeah. Like there was no stopping me at this point. Like I'm telling you, I, even so, typically whenever I'm lifting like that amount of weight, there's many times I've held over 700 pounds. And when I get the weight in my hands, I'm like, whoa, this is heavy. Like yeah. I can feel the pressure on my wrist, even though I got these tight wrist wraps on. Like I can actually feel the weight. And um, I'm sorry, I'm at my football game, and, and people, it's it's over. But um, that's okay. So I'm I shoot like I just knew that when the weight was in my hands, I was thinking I'm, I'm about to murder this weight. Yeah, like I just felt it in my hands. It felt it felt light. So I'm when I'm thinking in my head, I'm like I'm. A, that's why it's. Did you see the speed off my chest? Like it, I'm not man. bragging by any means. Yeah, like I'm saying, like I knew what time it was. That like. Just, just wait. Give me, give me about three more months, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of looking for a meet now, and I'm just get, kind of tweaking some stuff and getting my diet a little better. But give me three months. Like when I hit the platform again, that's going to be dangerous. Like scary, scary. 
And I, I'm not, I'm like, I, I love Corral. I love his form. I love, you know, I love the, the fact that they're, that they're challenging us and challenging each other. Um, not that people are challenging us and we're challenging each other, but, um, Man, don't think twice. Like I, I'm just, I'm so pumped about it, and I'm not gonna speak too soon and, and, and go into like, because I don't want to sound cocky or arrogant. Nah, you know what? It's different but, when you say. It's different when you say. You remind me of a guy like, like there's Conor McGregor's of the world who talk shit, but they're doing it, putting other people down, talking shit, and then there's like the, the Muhammad Ali style where. You're like inspiring people, and you go out and tell people like you know it, it's different. It comes off different when you do it. I, it, yeah. it doesn't come off offsided when you do it. If, if that take it from a yeah, no, I get it, and, yeah. and that's what I want to do. Like I want to set the bar so high to where where people are second guessing. Yeah, they're like, man, you, man this is just maybe, like last time. Dude, it's last, time to put my gloves up. Last time you were on, um, last time you were on, you you were set. You were. Saying you were going to do this, that, and the other, and saying you were taking the all-time world bench record, and we had people call, like messaging saying, "Number one, I'm an amazing speaker, a hell of a story, and hope you do well." But a lot of people like shit, man. Nobody's taking Corell's record. Nobody could see Corell's record falling. It was like one of those powerlifting records that everyone thought that shit's going to live forever. It's like one of those big uh, yeah. records. You know Somebody that, was like, I've, I've heard many people say, that, man, that was one of, that's says, a record that's going to last for 20 years. Yeah, it was going to be like a baseball record, that like the home run record that stood for 50 years before it finally was broke. People thought it was going to yeah. be like that. And then they would be analyzing the hell out of your 705 bench and analyzing the hell out of your other benches being like, how's 35 more pounds coming out of that? I don't see it. I don't think, and then here we are. You yeah, know, here we are. Here and then we we're going to have this conversation this time next year. <laughs> That's right, man. And That's it's going right. to be a whole different level. That's right, and man. Man, like, ultimately, like, I just want to be in a position where, to, again, where I can go to different schools um, and, and continue doing what I'm doing. That's like my ministry where I'm pouring into the kids um, and, and just, you know, teaching them and, and, and showing them a different way that, like, like that, that you don't have to compromise your whole life and put yourself in positions uh, for for one uh, for popularity, um, and two um, again just to impress your friends, like because the the decisions you make that they make now is going to impact their future, mm. you know, and the, the the decisions that I made then really impacted my future, and 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 the big thing is is most people don't make it back. Most people yeah. don't get these underdog stories like I do. Don't you know, like far. I have the opportunity to have, you know. So mm. I know the pain and everything. That, that, that lies behind, you know, being in and out of jail and burnt relationships and all these crazy things that happens whenever you, you know, compromise. And, like, I really, like, I really do have a heart to try to help, like, the, the youth, man, period, man, these athletes um, all across the board, you know. So me being able to, me being able to free up using, um, you know, my bench press as a platform and also get paid to do what I do, allows me to be able to go out and, and do what I really love doing. And that's, you know, helping men, uh, women, kids, whoever I run across, man, uh, because I live in a country in a, in a town where it's, it's infested with, with uh, a lot of different hardcore drugs. And, you know, it's sickening seeing some of these kids and some of the stories that I've heard of how a lot of these drug addicts are doing their kids and their families, you know, so um, it, there's got to be somebody to step in. There, there's got to be somebody. Like I've seen, there's documentaries. Kathy was telling me about one on a Louis Simmons on Netflix, and like you see, like 
I've seen some documentaries on like CrossFit guys or whatever the shit. Somebody's got to step up and do one on you. This man, this is yeah. almost, you know if you, man, if you I, I haven't had the opportunity yet, man. I, I've always had this vision of having a documentary on Netflix. Hell yeah, dude! Listen, if you go, I've seen documentaries on Eddie Hall on Netflix. If you Eddie Hall and Krill get together, this is the Super Bowl. This is, I mean, this is it's phenomenal. You have a guy who won the world. Ne- this will never happen. You have never ever seen this caliber of weightlifting never uh, ever in one g- gym stadium, whatever you want to put it. Like, yeah. We need Don King to come down and hype this up. We need a Hell hype yeah. man. Dude, a hype man's like, you, this is a big deal. You definitely, you need, um, like, TV crews. You 100% need to reach out. Whoever's sponsored, like, get the cameras rolling. Get as much footage as possible. Somebody has to get. The world's strongest man comes out of retirement for this. You got you who took Kirill's record. Kirill wants to come back. You're from three different parts of the world. One from you This guys. is a movie. It's a movie, my man. It's a movie, This is a movie, man. man. One, guy, <laughs> one guy's from the UK. The other guy's from the US. I'm going to call you North American because we're Canadian and I half want to claim you. That's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, well, I want to claim you as well, so uh, we'll say you're North American. Yeah. Uh, Brother you, from another mother. That's right, that's right. Um, then you got Eddie Hall from the UK, you got Kirill from Russia, all different parts of the world converge, and then you're, you're going to go at it for history, man. The only thing I'm afraid yeah. of, at this point, the only thing I'm afraid of, if you do a competition in three months and you do what you're saying, you might scare them off before they decide. If, you, if it gets too crazy, they might be like, man... It's getting too far now. Nah, man, I'm gonna hype it up so much. I'm well, look, I'm getting my YouTube content together. Oh, yeah. I'm about to start pumping these videos up. That's right. And 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 people are gonna not want to back out. Do you think they might be afraid? Do, do you think they might lose if it starts getting crazy? Do you think they might be like, I don't know if I can hang with them? Or do you think a guy like Eddie Hall, who was the world's strongest man, is like, what are you thinking? I, I honestly, no, I, man, no. Look for real, like. People don't know this, like, I'm not, and I'm not, like, saying I'm on his jog, but, like, Correll, Correll was by far um, one of the most technical lifters. Like, he is a monster of a guy. I mm-hmm. never throw shade on him. Like, I respect everything he's done. He's been nothing but genuine and, and like, like super um, um, supportive. Like, he's supported me so much. People don't even know behind the scenes. He supported me so much through this process. Really? Like, wish man, wishing me well. Like, I'm talking – like on a monthly basis where he's like, brother, I hope everything's all well. Hope you're healthy. Um, Go get that record. Because he needed this. He needed this so he can come back. He needed something to push him to be like, all right, it's time to come out. Like, now, now there's there's more boys at the park to play. Yeah, you yeah. like playing at the park by yourself. Yeah, that's, true, that's true. You damn right. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. when you got a crew of guys, it makes it a, a good time, man. That's right. And um and 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 that's what it is, man. So like, uh, I just want to have fun, man. I want to have fun and share this experience with everybody, and and also to get paid while I'm doing it. I, that, I'm not. There's no shame in my game about that. Yeah. Well, like I want to provide a living for my family and 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 uh, get the support, you know, what I do outside of that. But um, let me tell you, man. Like this is it. This is like pay per view worthy. Yeah. If we can come up with an event, but I, also too, I, I had the idea. If we can get Eddie Hall to come over to powerlifting, why don't Julius Maddox go over to Strongman? Oh, snap, Julius! <laughs> so, like, there's a twist to this, man. Oh, wow! And, and, and I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling you guys, it's, it's, um, there's some stuff brewing, man, and, and it's coming. We like, just I'm, got I'm little... really like, here, here's the best way I can explain it. And I just get excited and start talking and yapping. 
But I got to share this with you. I just feel so I'm so grateful that that now I know that whatever I set my mind to, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I got a second chance at life. And I knew that at one point, if I ever got a new chance at life, that I would take advantage of every single opportunity that, that I've come across and or that I come across. And I'm like a kid where people are like, what do you want to be when you get older? And I'm like, man, I want to be a strong man. Yeah. Well, you can be a strong man. Put your mind to it. So that's kind of I know that sound again, sounds corny or cheesy. But, man, I'm just like a little kid that, that has big dreams. I'm a dreamer, man. I'm a dreamer, and that's what I'm, I'm pursuing all of my dreams. There's no way you can't pull a plane, flip a car. I guarantee you, you can. I know you can. So, it, oh, yeah. Especially if you're going to – and how big are you for those listening? How big are you right now? You're – 446, 6'3". 6'3", 446, my man. You're, you're like yeah. – you're, you're, you're a titan walking amongst humans. Yeah. Well, typically people are like, oh, he's just fat. You know, like everybody thinks that like I'm just some lard of a guy. Yeah, I'm a big guy, but when people see me, like I've had literally, I've had dozens of people come up to me and say, "Man, I thought you was fat, but you're you're not fat. You can't move seven hundred forty. You can't bench press seven hundred forty pounds if you're not a muscular guy. Like that's crazy, yeah. man. But <laughs> I guess it's just what people when they think of four hundred and forty pounds at six yeah. three. Yeah. Like they're like, man, no, there's no way this dude is 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 muscular, you know. Nothing shifts um, 740 pounds. Yeah. So that's insane. It, until they might yeah. think that until they find out the type of weight you're shifting and what you got to do to do yeah. that. You know. Um, so when you talk about your previous life and you say how big you were and you're getting in scraps on the streets and shit, I could see how real quickly that'd be escalated to guns. Who not men? If there's any kind of beef and you're the guy who hops oh, yeah. out of the car, if you're the dude who hops out of the fucking car, Julius, the dude isn't like, yeah, I'm going to go head up with this guy. If they're, <laughs> they're either they're jumping you or shooting you yeah. or stabbing you. Nobody's... I've been let's jumped go, and, let's and go I've had guns out. Pulled, out, pulled out in my face, you, you know, so... You were like the yeah, giant... You're, you're right. You were like the giant that attacks the small village and, <laughs> you know, and, and all the farmers <laughs> got to collect with their pictures. Oh, man. This is, oh, I mean, man. quite... It's crazy because, like, even growing up, like, I didn't really like fighting until I got into that lifestyle because I'm a bigger dude. And then guys would always pick fights with other people mm-hmm. and use me to kind of, like, pull them out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. then, like, I realized, like, hey, man, I got, I, I got some hands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> now I got this M.O. that I'm the baddest guy to walk the streets. Yeah. Now I'm a knockout artist. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I have no training in any kind of fighting at all. You know yeah. what I mean? So... But it was just a lot of times it was just bar fights. Look, yeah. put it this way: the some of the bar, the local bars in, in my town would actually let me in free. They would give me drinks yeah. because when fights broke out in the bar, they would let me clear the fights out. <laughs> so the, yeah, You're the so like they would let me. For like, being the I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've speared people running full speed. Jeez, I, was in, I was probably about three hundred pounds at the time. Can you imagine? But, this is insane. Oh, yeah. I would just come out of nowhere and just run people over. <laughs> I mean, like, so two guys fighting, I'm clearing them both out like bowling balls. <laughs> and <laughs> just for something that we could talk that's about ridiculous. for the next week. You know what I mean? Like, that's it was just, and I did it for attention, man. All of it yeah. is just about attention, man. Yeah. You know, Frank, be, I remember, I don't know if you remember, there's a guy named Tank Abbott in the UFC, early UFCs. And um, he was semi-famous because he had a video online about him with him bench pressing 600 pounds. And Tank Abbott at the time was one of the craziest knockout artists, punchers. But he's like, 
a brawler. He wasn't like a boxer. But they're like, dude, how yeah. the, they're like, how the hell are you knocking these dudes out? He goes, what are you kidding me? I got six hundred pound sledgehammers for fists. That's how. I don't. I don't. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what your story reminds me of when you said, "Like, look, yeah. I, I wasn't out there dancing and boxing, but I, I only got to clip you once, and it doesn't have to be clean." Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's all it was. <laughs> that's right. Like, no, I knew the first the first twenty seconds. If I don't get the victory in the first twenty seconds, I'm done. <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm you, done. You shaking hands like, let's call it a day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. I'm out of breath. It's over. <laughs> um, but you know, I, man, there was a point where I hated, I hated violence, you know, uh, and just because of the lifestyle, because I allowed my, my friends and the, my peers to persuade me to live a different life. And, uh, I bought into that. So, you know, I, I started doing other things that just wasn't me. Like generally, like gen- I was a genuine good kid mm-hmm. until, you know, um, I start. I found out that you know I can get people to like me, and I can get people to hang out with me. Um, and I'm just being transparent because there's a lot of people on social media that'll act like that they that they didn't want the same thing that they wasn't about. You know what I mean? So I'm just the one that, that'll talk I, about it because I don't I, care what people think about me now. I'm just I'm the number one venture in the world. So I, I mean, think most people in but, their late teens, early twenties do a lot of shit to be accepted and, and think more about yeah. look at, there's that there's another saying we're dropping quotes earlier there's that one quote when i was younger i used to walk in the room and wonder if people liked me now without i'm older i walk in the room and i wonder if i like these people if i should be here oh. you know what i mean uh-huh. yeah yeah that's nice right? i gotta use that i gotta put that in my pocket that's, that's right and it's true when you walk in a room when you're younger it's like who are you trying to get like you are you even sure you want yep. that person in your life? But you just want to be liked by whoever, right? Yep. So only when you're older, you start separating yourself from the bad crowd, etc. Um, I was going to ask you, because I know in the U.S., we're in Canada. we, we got different gun laws, but there's a gun. One of the states has the uh, stand your ground law. Is that where you're from? Or Texas. Texas. So what, what happens there? If you get in a fist fight, because I, I, I don't know how it works, but do people get shot? And one guy's unarmed, and the guy who shoots him gets let off because he's standing his ground, and the other guy's being violent. Uh, I don't, I don't. So uh, there's like some kind of law where um, where it's like a self defense. Even if so, the guy's unarmed. Even if somebody's, even if somebody's, even if they're not armed, say that they're maybe, and maybe that could be wrong. But from what I, what I, what I understand is that if your life is in immediate danger. Then you have a right to defend yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So however that looks. So now yeah. immediate danger is is all like where someone's literally, you know, has you in danger where they're beating you or they're chasing you with the knife or something like that. You or know? I thought he had a gun. I thought he had this. Turns out he didn't. But how yeah. did I know? But there, there's a lot. Of, yeah, but that's that's a lot of that stuff that, that's that's going that that has in the past that's went on in the U.S. You know. Um, which I don't, I don't speak on that stuff just because I, I don't, I don't want to be one of those yeah, type yeah. of guys that well, well, spend I, all my time and energy no, going well, back and forth. Why I bring it up isn't necessarily to like discuss like the law or nothing, but would be more that how scary it is looking back that like, again, man, if you get in a scrap and you're this oh, size, yeah. you would be the first dude. You'd be almost every single time you'd be encountering that shit. Like nobody's trying yeah. to go hand to hand. We'll see you. like... That's why it's and that's scary. the thing. Like that's people why it's knew. Scary man. Like yeah. you. Well, I mean, people knew that what we were about, though. So you know, at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, people wasn't really about that life because they already knew. 
yeah, yeah. I and see. It's not, you know what I mean? Like the people that I ran with, like they already knew that we ain't blowing smoke. Yeah. We ain't just talking about it. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not saying that we were like killers and all that stuff. No, but, the but don't 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 get it twisted because any one of them were really ready. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's how I put it. I don't. I'm, and I don't take it like really like like I said. I'm not built. I was never built to go to prison. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is is we stayed so intoxicated and we believed in that life so much that something like that would have happened and we would have regretted it later. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just being in the, being in the moment. You know. Yeah. Uh, there's been times that I've 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 literally um, beat up someone so bad I knew that the next day that the detectives were going to be at my house. Oh, oh man! You know what I mean? Like that feeling, that gut wrench feeling. Like I think I might have killed dude last night. Jesus! You know, what? so like, have you um, seen? Have you again, seen? like I'm not, I'm not no, I'm, I'm. It's not like I'm, I'm some, um, like I was just some talented fighter or like, like, like I've trained in like fighting and combat tactical. No, no, I just. I just knew that, like, anytime somebody got in my face, if you got within distance and you're walking up on me, I'm putting you to sleep. I ain't taking no chances because <laughs> I can't let you make me look like a fool in front of anybody. So I'm firing off first. You know what I mean? Uh, call me, call it sucker punch or whatever, but don't, don't, don't come get in my face. You know? And I'm ne- it's crazy because I never used to be like that. I never, I didn't, I couldn't stand the sound, that sound of a, of of skin contacting skin, like knuckles to skin. I couldn't mm-hmm. that pop. Yeah. I couldn't stand those sounds, you know. Um, just from from my past and and how I grew up, and just you know always having that um, that fear of of you know just some stuff that that I went through as a kid, and that sound like devastated me to a point to whenever I was on drugs and I loved the the fact that that, that it made me feel better when I knew that. Like I could inflict pain on somebody else, you know, like was and it, actually like was there, was there something from when you were younger that like you you've encountered that and was there any, like a, in the past like violence coming up when you were younger? I mean, yeah, but no, no, not like I was never like um, physically abused or anything, but just like the trauma of like fighting all the time of like hearing like my mom and dad fighting all the time. It just, as a kid, you don't know if that's going to go down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, there was something about just confrontation, yeah, yeah. Um, especially when things really got loud. So if somebody's coming up on me and they're screaming, like, I, I even nowadays, like, I, I get really uncomfortable. Like, I get agitated. Like, I'm clenching my fist. I, I don't like that. I don't like it, period. I, I never have. And uh, I just get to a point to where I'm like, um, fight or flight, and I don't, I, don't, I don't run when it comes to stuff like that. So I'm going to fight, you know, and I don't like, I, I don't want to paint it like this picture. Like I'm some tough guy or like some bad guy. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, that's something that I don't play about. You know what I mean? Like everybody has something in their life. They don't play about. Yeah, I don't play yeah. about sarcasm, uh, being smart and, um, and, and, and people yelling, yelling at me. I don't. Yeah. When it, you it, got, it, when you got out of prison, did anyone from your past life try and drag you back into that? Mm. Oh man, there's so many people that was like, I still got guys that I, that some of my best friends that I grew up with, that I ran with in the streets, and they're still locked up. One of my guys, um, just he just got like a 15 year sentence, Damn. and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, like fed, 15 years fed, wow. and he was like, man, I always expected for you to come back. I just thought that this was just a phase that you was going through, yeah. and you know, 
when I made my mind up, I made my mind up. Like my heart, like my heart literally changed. And the desire, I had no desire to do those things anymore. I had no desire to go out and sleep around or use drugs and, and, and do all that crazy stuff, which I think because of that pain that I've always experienced, um, it just, it was so bad that I never wanted anything to do with it again. So, so when you hear about a guy doing 15 years fed time, you realize like, yeah, that could have been, that could have been you taking the wrong path. That could have been. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? Um, and, and I, the, that's not the only one I got family members. I got, I got family members that are, that are doing life. I got a cousin that's doing life right now. Like it, it's not at the end of the day, it's not worth it. Like, and I, I knew I've always known, even whenever I was out there in the madness, I knew that that's not the life that I wanted to live. Who wants to be in a, in a little, uh, was like a five by eight cell, um, you like, know, dude. S- smelling like hot Cheetos, <laughs> feet, stinky feet, you know, um, yeah. just like who wants to be in something like that for the rest of their life? And, and if you know, you, being told what to do, when to sleep, when to wake up, yeah. you know, like. And not only just avoiding that, but you're doing the total opposite now trying to help other people. You would also make a fucking corrections officer earn his money. <laughs> He's got to put you in the yeah, cell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, yeah. good. Okay, great. Well, I got the world's strongest man on my on my block. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope yeah, he's like, in a good mood. You know, and it's, <laughs> again, um, like now I'm so non Like I've had people get smart with me. I've had people like literally um, not, not get in my face, but people have really put me in a position to where, you oh, know, I wanted to um, – Put it this way, over the and this is how it always goes, but I just I'm so laid back. But um the rapper, I was flying out to Vegas over the weekend and the rapper, uh I guess his name's the baby. Yeah. He's right. a rapper like a famous rapper in the US, and he came through the airport and um he said something he it wasn't necessarily disrespectful, but to me, I could have took it as disrespect the way how he said it mm. and then looked at it. And it wasn't like, you know, but I'm sitting here thinking in my head, like, please don't say nothing. Because the first thing that, thought, that I thought about, like, it's it's much, everything is much, much bigger than me. But at the end of the day, that's something I don't play about. It's my wife. Mm. And the only thing that was going through my head was picking him up and slamming him on his neck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that's where I go. I don't go to like, I don't talk. I don't do none of that stuff. And, you know, me, who I am in my community and what I stand for, that's probably one of the hardest battles that I deal with today. What was he doing? Because people. This was, he said something about your wife and he was just trying to be. No, so like, so we're, we're, so we're at the airport um, and we're getting something to eat before we boarded our plane. And he's standing over there. He's standing. Um, and they walk up and they're, they're at this, 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 um, they are at this, uh, restaurant beside us and they ran out of food where they ran out of french fries and like he's over here like pulling out all kinds of money saying like come on i know y'all got some fries back there make me some fries just like really being obnoxious and and stuff like that and and like you know my wife is a fan she's always like she's a fangirl she's like that's that's um you know that's so and so and i want to take a picture with them and i'm like oh my god because i already know i used to be like that so i already know how that stuff goes, you know, like, especially what your music says when you talk about this stuff, you know, like you, you glorify, you know, doing these things, sleeping with women and fighting and stuff like that. So 
my thing was is I play things through and I'm good at doing that because that's what I do every every day of my job that I work. So anyway, so she goes over there and she asks for a picture and they tell her no. And then as she's walking off, he mumbles something. I can't clearly say what he said. I I don't know, but I but I know it was something that you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. I could just be but he mumbled something. Yeah. And um and the, he was like, "Well, we'll buy you some French fries, though. We'll pay for your friend. We'll pay for your food." And he mumbled something else. So he's being cocky. And I was just like, "Yeah." And I was just like, "Like he's got his money out. He's fanning his money out oh, and all this stuff, shit. like trying to like stunt. You know what I mean?" Yeah, and I'm just like, man. "I used to do that stuff. Yeah. That was me. That's you know what I mean." So like, I just and again, we have a podcast that we just started. It's called Trust the Process Podcast. And it's just about, you know, like, you know, Christian men, like going through this process because we're like going into real estate and we're doing all these ventures in life. And I'm boarding this plane and we're just talking about this whole situation. But it just made me uncomfortable because a lot of these uh, situations I've never really been put in, you know, like I've, I've been walking this walk for about seven years. But that's a fear of mine, too, is that somebody that, I, that one day I get put in position to where, you know, I don't I don't know how I react. And I don't, like, literally, I don't want to put my hands on anybody. Because if I put my hands on somebody, I'm going to destroy somebody. And I'm not, again, I'm not taking it like I'm some bad, like, UFC fighter or a skilled fighter. I just know how strong I am. And I know my potential. And I don't, I don't want to put myself in that position. You know, I got kids at home. I got, go ahead. And, and, yeah, and you don't want to let people down to look up to you that they're like, do you hear Julius Mask caught a case? He's going through court. And like, it'd be, oh, shit, he can't go back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. At the same time, even though even though I'm I also like, yeah, 100%, you're bigger than this dude. Um, you know, like this dude sounds like a total idiot. However, however, my man, in a fantasy world, the way you describe it, I too for a second was like, ah, oh, shit. You know, like, if... if yeah, well, he has entourage with him. Like, so he had about six dudes, and I'm looking at him. I'm already, look, I, my mind already goes there. You would have speared like, right through those I'm already, dudes. You I'm you already playing it through in my head. Yeah. Like, seriously, it's it's crazy to the point to where I had to call somebody, and I'm shaking. Yeah. Like, because, like, I know how I get. My wife knows how I get. So I'm just like, and I don't have, a, like, a serious anger problem. I just know that, like, when you if you disrespect me or somebody I'm with, like, I, I'm just not good at handling confrontation. Yeah. I don't argue. I can't. That's fair. I'm to the point to where I'm, you know, and it's just, it's scary, man. I think it's fair that, that like, it's your wife, for God's sake. And this dude, yeah. sound like a total douchebag. This is like the biggest test of somebody's patience you're going to have is some total douchebag. Oh, definitely. And who is this dude again? Baby? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a rapper. Like, he's a, I don't know, I don't. Really know a does, lot of stuff that he does. I mean, what all does, his music or whatever. Does he know, I just know he's a rapper. Does he know he almost got his arms taken off by the world's strongest man, or what's up? Yes, no. <laughs> I, I don't think him or his friends knew that it was about the situation was about to go real bad. If only and he I'm playing out my. Do. You know what I mean? Like I was playing out my head. Like if all I would just need is somebody to hit me, and I'm going to defend myself. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that and that's the part that that I need to work on. Like that I'm still like, I, I'm not going to say I'm not there yet, but. It's a process, man, and I felt bad for even afterwards. I'm thinking in my head, like, man, why, why do I, why am I, you know, why did I take it there? But that's 
But you're no, still, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Yeah, I was about to say, you're still human. No matter what, like, yeah. you are still a human being. And, and even if you thought that and didn't want to bring it up and say it because you had those thoughts, but that's why you're relatable. That's why people will listen to you and go to you because you're actually going to be real with them. You know what I mean? Like, nobody likes the dude who pretends that, you know, he's infallible. He's perfect. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a, a bad thought in him. This is natural, man. Like, you, you're, you know, you still took it. And like, look at there's there's a bigger thing. I'm gonna walk away, but it's, you know, I, I think just just having those thoughts go through your head. That's just natural, especially with everything you've been through. To have a dude doing this, you, you know. Yeah, what? I mean, it's just. I, I feel like it just. Gonna, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go no, ahead. no, no, no worries. Uh, I feel like if he even knew, if a dude like that who's too immature even knew. Your background, everything you've been through, everything you're doing now, all the good you're doing, that you go to public schools, you go to correctional facilities, you talk to inmates, you talk to kids, and all the good you're doing, if he even knew that it was you he was stunting on, I can only fucking imagine what, even if, like, even how big-headed he is, he'd be like, shit, man. Like, how, it's, it's a story for anybody else who thinks they're in those situations when you think you're with your boys and you're stunting on somebody. You don't know that other guy's story. You don't know the restraint. Yeah. You don't know the restraint he's showing. He could take you and your boys' heads off, and he's just playing it cool because he's got a much bigger and everything he's gone through and all the good he's doing, and you want to bring him back. And you want to bring him back into a bad situation. Either he's caught in a situation where either he walks away and you could talk shit, or he has to fall back into a bad situation and lose all the ground he gained, which is a beautiful thing, all the ground you gained. It's well, shit. yeah, but I mean, and that's what kind of stuck is like, if I was to do something like that, which was stupid, because I, I mean, I can't really, like, I, I, I'm not saying I can't knock him, but like at one point I was just like that. I didn't say I had that money or, or, to, or, or like to that caliber or whatever, but I was, as far as like my, my, my character was just like that. Mm. I was just like that, you know? And, um, so man, I kind of seen that. And for me, I have everything to lose. I'm sorry. I'm trying to let, let him out. Let somebody out. No worries. No worries. No worries. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, I know you mean. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? Like I had every day. Like he, had, what? What's he gonna lose? What do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that ran through my head was like, I got so much more to lose if, if, and so like I, I do a good job at playing things through if I did something wrong, and I do a good job at playing things through about you know what could happen if I do do those things and if I don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I could walk out of here, board the plane, and go carry on for the weekend. Yeah. Or I could leave out of here in handcuffs. <laughs> and again, you know, so. And again, you've been making some security guys at the airport earn their fucking money. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It was, it, it, the, the guys, it gets, I could just see him on the walkie-talkie, be like, "Okay, so we have the Incredible Hulk, uh, <laughs> Gate C thirty-two. He's decapitated three people, and I've tased him. Yeah. And, and there's no reaction yet. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. So like. Again, man, I love everybody. I wish the best for everybody. I don't, I don't, I don't like to be put in situations like that. But like, man, like you don't talk. I mean, you don't. You just have to watch your character. But people like that don't care about their character when it comes to because what are they rapping about? Yeah, yeah. They're rapping about this stuff. They're rapping about shooting guns. They're rapping about sleeping with other men's women or people's babies' mom. And you know that's my wife. I don't play about that. That's the mother of my children. So. I look at it totally different, you know, but 
that again, that's a that's a worldly perspective and uh, a, a, a Christian's perspective. Like I'm not going to talk to another man's wife like that or treat another man's wife like that. But when you when your morals are out of whack, then you don't care. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of like you said how you know how you were before the way you saw things and what you thought was actually like positives, even though they were negatives and stuff. How it's easier to look at a guy like that, forgive it, and move on because he's not he's not past that yet. He's still stuck. You know, and he doesn't even know it. Yeah. And yes, you can only hope. You know what? No, you're you're exactly right. And another thought that that was in my mind was, um, you know, I'm seeing him fan. Like, I kid you not, he probably pulled out about 60 grand. Jesus, man. Like, had it in his hand. Yeah, like, I mean, I've seen money like that, and I know know what it looks like. And he had, I mean, a stack of $100 bills, like, fanned out in his hand, like a thick stack. So... But you know what? I, I was buying. I had my money. I had about eighty dollars in my hand, and the thing that kept that kept me like my mind off of was like, man, I'm grateful for the money that I do have and that I've earned. Mm-hmm. You know that I've earned the right way. I'm not. He, he earned his money. You know, doing shows and, and record deals. But just the fact that that I worked hard for my money also, and I'm grateful for the, the little money that I had in my hand. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm going too deep with it, but nah, I'm just saying I, I'm grateful I, for for what I've been given. You know what? You it, know, at that time, I know what you're saying because look at like we kind of said earlier, money doesn't isn't everything, and money doesn't make you happy. Money doesn't make you successful, and um, obviously you're making some some real moves, some positive moves. So when you get eighty dollars or whatever the money you get from it, it's positive. You feel good about it because you, you're you got some positive momentum around you now. As opposed to you could do some negative things or live a negative life and have a negative image and have to carry yourself negatively. It's a little different, man. You know, it's a, it's a little different. Okay, oh, yeah. I got you. So, I mean, that's kind of how I looked at it. I'm not saying it's all the money. I don't, it's not all the money I have is $80, but <laughs> at the time of getting something to eat, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. we're at the airport getting ready to head to Olympia, you know, and how I just that? got the money out of the ATM to get us something to eat. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm sitting there. They're looking at me, pinning my little four eight four twenty dollar bills, and he he has a sixty probably sixty four See? between forty and sixty grand out, and he's fanning it. And I'm just like, Wait, what kind of a douchebag? I don't, you know, I'm, we'll move on after this because I don't want to give this guy any more time. But well, I mean, he's arguing with the guys at the at the food restaurant. I'm like, man, go get some fries. I'll pay whatever. And like, <laughs> has his money out, like flossing all this money. Like, Jeez. I know y'all got some fries back there. Go get them. Like, oh, basically, making man. these dudes go get them some fries. Yeah, talking to them like, they're, like they're shit, dude. Yeah, oh, man, being disrespectful, yeah. they're talking all loud. He's rapping while he's in line, while the oh, dudes are talking no, to him. Man. He just totally starts ignoring him and starts rapping oh, his own music. God, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this that was too me. Much. This is too much, man. This is like, this is hard. This is so cringy. He's like, he's like the yeah. worst stereotype. If you're making a movie and you saw this in the movie, you'd be like, they went too far. That I don't even believe it. It's too, you know, they should have. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, and the crazy thing about it was this all went down and we did our podcast like right after it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. And it was, and talking, like, I was so, you could probably hear how frustrated I was in my voice yeah, through the podcast. Dude, you know what I mean? And, that's Go ahead, the, I'm sorry. That's the worst timing for like a Christian podcast when you just got Oh yeah, the worst time for it, man. <laughs> but it was a lesson learned. And the lesson yeah. was was uh one, don't ever fly Frontier Airlines ever <laughs> in your life. And, and two, realize that something play it through. Some things aren't worth it, man. Like 
it's not that big of a deal. I could have walked out of there in handcuffs or I could have made my flight and, you know, had a great weekend, which I had a great weekend and had a lot of connections that I really needed. Yeah, so I want to ask you about that. In Olympia, when you're walking around, obviously people are going to be like, holy shit. Like almost you, you when you see someone walking around Olympia like that, you assume like did people recognize you? Did they, they quickly find out? Who you were, like, what was the Olympic yeah, experience? Yeah, like? we probably took over 300 pictures over the weekend. Oh, damn. Okay. Well, that, that like, definitely I'm talking, that. if I would, if, like, I, and I'm not just acting like I'm just, you know, anyway, if I would have had a booth, like, I kid you not, we would have had a line. We would have a long line of people waiting to come take pictures. And how good does that feel knowing after that little situation at the airport, and then you show up Olympia, it's like, okay, that's why I got to keep the straight and narrow. That's oh, why. yeah, definitely. You know I, mean? I see the bigger picture, yeah. man. Like that's, and that's good. You know, Life is funny like that, right? You can have one shit moment, and then two minutes later, you're not walked out in cuffs, and instead, you got 300 people taking pictures and, like, so many people vibing off you. You know what I mean? Life oh, is yeah, definitely. Like because at the end of the day, sometimes we go over and we create things that that and make it a big deal when we could have just moved past it. But I could have just, I could have said, went to the extent of saying, like, what'd you just say? Yeah. When he yeah. mumbled something, I could have said something like that. Like, what'd you just say? What are you looking at? What, what was you looking at? You know what I mean? Like being disrespectful back to him. Yeah. And that could have put us in a whole set. That could have set me up to do something that, again, that I, that I would have regretted doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whether I would have got jumped or I would have, I would have beat some people to death. You know what I mean? Either way. Like, something that didn't need to happen, you know? And I can't expect him. Uh, he has his own life. He has his own walk. I can't expect him to live a diff- to live like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through this process. I'm different. I, my character is totally different. But I can't expect him to walk like me or talk like me or, or live like me, you know? So, but when it become, comes to me and mine or me and my wife, like, you know, I'm going to make sure that people don't disrespect my wife, you know? Mm-hmm. I would expect for anybody else to do the same for their wife, you know? Fair enough. Right. And, and speaking of, so going to Olympia and seeing the kind of reception you got at Mr. Olympia as well, and you're trying, and now on everybody's radar, if they didn't know you, they know you now. And just a little heads up, um, like I remember Joe Rogan had Dan Aykroyd on not that long ago. He's a part of the Academy Awards, and he's like, I'll tell you what, after watching uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm telling you right now, I'm already going to give them the best the best, you know, movie of the year. I'm telling anybody listening for King of Lifts Awards, even though the year's not over, you're already getting the best bencher of the year. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't need to see yeah, man. Who, who's kidding who. So um, that's that's locked up. But looking ahead, do you have any kind of projected intro? Like, is there any kind of timeline that we might be able to anticipate the showdown with Kirill and Eddie Hall? Or is it still too early to say? I mean, it's still too early to say, um, you know, the current, the current is, is, is open right now. Um, we've been thinking about, I mean, we've talked a little bit about doing that. You can maybe do but, your own event though. I mean, like, it, but so, I think we could do We could do an event on our own. I know yeah, we could. Yeah. And you know, like a big event and you know, went that route with it. That way everybody, you know, leaves happy whether you win or lose, you know? Yeah. Um, so we just want to give people a show. And we want to do something that we love. And I've been talking back and forth with Carell, and I'm just like, I'm letting him, you know, catch up, letting him get to where he needs to be. He's a busy man. That's true. He has a lot of, uh, you know, he, you know, it's, it takes work to get back up to, you know, people don't walk around 
say I asked the majority of people like I'm like, hey, how much you bench? They're like four fifty. I'm like, so if you was to go in the gym right now, you can bench four fifty. They're like, no, nah, I did it six months ago. Well, you're not at a four fifty bench right now. No. You know what I mean? You don't. I don't walk around benching seven forty. Yeah. I have to. I have to peak up to that weight. I have to, you know, build up to that weight. So, um, I know that it's a process for Corel. Corel's gonna have to build up to get there because we have to be safe. Um, not including like uh, previous injuries, whether they're tweaks or just, you know, we all, you know, lifting this magnitude, it creates a whole different a level of problems, you know. So we have to be very careful, very safe uh, in how we, uh, you know, go about doing this, you know, mm-hmm. all these training methods and things like that. So yeah, it is what it is, man. It's definitely got to be fair to him, give give enough timeline for him to lead in. I mean, you guys got guys now, like James Strickland wants to be uh, hit 700. You could fill a, a bench only, and then you guys, the big dogs at the top end with the big names. I mean, you could do your own show, I bet. Um, it's just a matter of who wants to organize it and the timeline and where it's going to be held. But Oh, uh, uh, yeah. We got right now. We're getting close to ten thirty p.m. I think I'm gonna let you go, my man, because yeah, I, I yeah. held on to you for a hot minute. But dude, we have to have you back, one hundred percent. Keep me in the loop when you're going to be competing again within the next three months. Because I'm super excited. I want to repost and definitely have you back on. Because um, shit, man, you're an amazing storyteller and um, uh, a captivating speaker, no doubt. So uh, keep me in the loop, my man. Good luck training, and let me know too. Because if you guys create the event and you want to start getting some hype, I mean, we'll have you on. We'll help promote. You know, we'll give you the push. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. Very proud of you. Very proud, man. We might be hearing about that 800-pound press next time. We will. Uh, Dude, I just want to say before I let you go, super proud. When we had you on, no joke, as soon as we we stopped the podcast, we are like, holy shit, this guy's story all the messages we got, and I was like, I don't know if he's going to take Kirill's record because that's insane ass. But I was like, I swear I hope this guy does it. And could not be prouder, my friend. When, when we gave you that Bench of the Year award, and people are like, ah, I'm not sure. I'm like, you wait. You know, you wait and see. And now who's laughing? You know, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And um, I love what you're doing, man. You got a supporter of me for sure. I appreciate you guys, man. Thanks, buddy. No problem, man. Head up. We'll, keep, we'll talk, talk to you guys soon. later. See you later, man. Right, yeah, he's he's got an insane story, oh, huh? Man, man, when he was talking about just the bar scenes of like breaking up fights, all I could think of have you seen have you seen the linebacker? The linebacker. I don't know if I have. Oh man. Okay. Anyways, but in there's the one scene where he's a he's a football prospect. He had a like he grew up in like he had a lot of turmoil growing up, and yeah, yeah. football basically changed his life. Yeah. And so there's one scene in high school where, I don't know if it happened in real life, but just for, it was probably just for the movie, but he grabs a guy and honestly just, like, moves him the whole whole yeah. line of the football field. That's all I saw in my head. <laughs> Dude, if you're at a bar and you got a guy like Julius Maddox who's spearing from one end of the bar to the other, he's clearing it out right to the parking lot. Uh, yeah, he's got some crazy stories. But look, at this man's life is not like anybody else's life. Not just because, um, you know, how we grew up, where we grew up. And for most people hearing these stories, I mean, it's, it sounds crazy. It sounds intense where a fight comes to guns getting drunk, comes to shots fired. That's crazy. He's got family members who are life imprisonment and buddies who just go in doing 15 years. Like, it's an. this is the type of, you know... It's a storyline you might hear or read about in, like, you hear about in songs or you read about and see in movies and shit. 
if this man ever wrote an autobiography to come where he came from, you know, he, if he, you know, even that section of his life, he's given you a taste without even fully saying, you know, he's holding back a little, like, look at he's want to go full tilt, tell yeah, other exactly. people's stories. Mm-hmm. I think the kids these days call it dry snitching, right? You know what I'm going to But, um, you know, he's holding back a little bit. If he ever went all out and said, here's my story and wrote an autobiography to go from where he was from to where he is now, you yeah. know, like, um, and he seriously, I, I mean, we touched up on, on the last podcast. We didn't do a whole lot here because like, I mean, there's only so much you can cover with a guy with a story like this, but he goes to public schools. He goes to correctional facilities. He goes to like addicts trying to come off drugs and does like public speaking. He is like the guy changing other people's lives to go from where he was to where he is now. Fucking a beautiful story, man. And like he, he's bench pressing 740 pounds. And I shit you not when he was on, he was that guy. If they had a camera following him doing a documentary or they had a reality TV show on him, he was that guy when he said his story and you seen heard where he came from and hear what he was doing at the time, how he changed his life and all the positive he's doing. You're like, God, please let this dude hit that goal, even though the goal sounds ridiculous. Yeah. The goal sounds crazy. The goal sounds like it, he's not joking when he said, This record I was chasing was considered a record like in other sports that fall 40 years later. It was literally one of those type of records, and people were openly saying that. And they're like, look, I love Julius, but I don't know, man. It looks like he's chasing the wrong record. He just happens to be in the wrong weight class chasing the wrong record. It's I not going to happen. I think people are going to say the same thing about his new bench goal. <laughs> Dude, well, here's the thing. The fact that he actually hit that record, it's, uh, man, it's crazy. It's just yeah. such a good story. And then, yeah, and that, so when he says 800... You gonna believe this, dude? You, mm. you can't. You can't. How are you gonna? Man, keep... listening to him talk, I'm, I put my money on it. <laughs> He's a tough guy not to be like. All right, you know, uh, it's such a crazy story. He has to write at some point. It's yeah. too early to do an autobiography because I mean he's got to do it when he's pretty much done. Because mm-hmm. don't write the autobiography and then hit eight hundred. Yeah, right. But also, somebody's got to do a documentary. Somebody's got to step up and video this clash. If it's him, Eddie Hall, and Kirill, oh, and we got a huge. we got a rivalry like that. Like it's, I mean, man, it's, it's too good. Yeah. Oh man, it's too damn good. So um, I remember when I told you we were having him on, and I'm like, uh, I gave you, you're like, who do we got? And I was like, six four. 440 got the biggest bench in the, like as I get closer and I reply is that, is that the bench guy <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the bench guy um yeah man so I can't wait look in the future and 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 his his weights are moving fast mm-hmm. god knows imagine like a year from now when we can talk about Julius Maddox and I wasn't joking when I said look I think these other fellas will step up I don't question a guy like Kirill's heart I don't question a guy like Eddie Hall's heart these guys mm-hmm. are all champs and, and you know they have uber belief. But when we're talking about bench only, if Julius Maddox start getting too close to 800, at some point they're going to be like, all right, fuck it, that, that's yours. Yeah, yeah, that would be, <laughs> like, a, that'd the be a scary number to that's, try and compete that's the against. the only worry where I'd be like, they might be like, so it's, I'm half thinking like, but I feel like a guy like Eddie Hall, like he's already accomplished so much. I think he would take it just for, you know, just for the... Because he's got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. Kirill, same thing. He's a legend. Yeah. Um, you just... I don't know. See that this is maybe this is my cynical mind where I'm like, ah, maybe hold back. Let these fellas think they got a chance. So then they're more likely to jump in, but whatever. We'll have to see. It is. Uh, I look at Julius said, I think there should be money on the table and I think it should be a big event. Oh, for sure. Hell yeah. 
deserves it. That's something you would tune in. And if they if they trim like so, it's just the the top end guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you have like those three, and maybe a few other guys sprinkled in there, like a James Strickland, and you know some of the other fellows that might might hit there, like a, a Jeremy or Hoonster or whatever. Um, then you have one flight, and it's all killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. That would be entertaining to watch. And it's only one event. It's only bench. So real, they could rip through it. So you don't have to sit there for three hours straight. You know what I mean? You could have a couple beers with the fellas and watch that. Also, another thing I liked when he said, I was, I'm was. i also tinkering with the idea of strong Yeah, that. yeah. That's pretty sick. When he said that, I got excited. I, I wanted to hear more about that. But. Yeah. I mean, he was holding those cards a yeah, little close to his chest. He was giving can't us a reveal lot. too much. Nah, but. And I respect that. Yeah. You, can't, you can't give too much. But um, him and Strongman... Oh man, that'd be kind of cool if they did a crossover event like powerlifting. Then a few months later, they went and did strongman. That's you where build that into a. That's where it might be where it's like Eddie Hall's like, look it, I might end up taking an ass whooping a bench only, but if we meet, do strongman later on, do a rematch in strong, something like that, and hey, yeah. that'll only blow up Julius Maddox even more. Mm-hmm, for you sure. know, especially guys like Kirill, guys like Eddie Hall have such a following. Any kind of light they get shines on Julius Maddox. Mm-hmm. But uh, but anyways, I hope everybody liked the podcast. Um, please put this in your Instagram stories, repost, give us high ratings, give us the comments, the whole nine, because guys like Julian Maddox, who are doing a good in, not just in the sport, but in the community, to everybody as a whole, deserve this kind of shine, and it makes our sport look good when you guy like Julius Maddox around. It's somebody you could talk about with pride. You know, because he's actually changed his life and he's tried to change other people's lives. So give them the exposure they deserve. And as always, from Six Pack Lab at Cafe Fitness. Until next time, peace.